Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So I don't know if you've ever been in, uh, if you've ever found yourself in the mountains on a summer night and at the top of just at midnight and the stars look like you can just touch them and you're walking around a camp and you're asking God, there's got to be more to life than just what I'm doing. And so you hear God's voice say to you, ah, well, if you want more then you, I'm going to ask you to give me your heart. And so I, of course, respond to God by saying, you've absolutely had it for a while, God. It's okay. And he goes, okay. Uh, So how about you get baptized? And I responded to God, I don't need to be baptized. I'm good. Like, we're we're golden. And, uh, And his response is, so I have your heart, right? And my response is, yep, absolutely. You can do whatever you want with my life. I'm good. And he goes, well, then I want you to get baptized. I'm good. I don't need to be baptized. So you love me, right? Yep, I absolutely love you, God. Well, are you going to get baptized? Nope, I'm not going to get baptized. And then that's when God decided to say to me, well, then you don't love me. And that's when I decided, I'll get baptized. <laughs> you know, we, we have those moments in our lives where I think um, there's a point where Uh, we come to, God, you do have my heart. And then there's points where God says, I want to see it then. And so we've been going through Acts together, and this is exactly the moment in which God comes and, well, actually, Peter comes and enters in the whole entire gospel story, and and we've been talking about it. Last week, uh, Peter brought in a new way of looking at the gospel, And in the verses that we're going to be looking at today, there's a response from uh, the congregation, uh, the people that are around him, and they're asking what's going on. And so let's read that this morning together. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 37 through 42, and this is what it says. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to that church, to, to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. There's a lot to unpack in this today, but uh, we, we're maybe going to possibly go through it a little bit quicker because I really want to get to the practical application of what this looks like in somebody's life. But... Um, Before we do get into the rest of the sermon, let's pray together. God, we absolutely need you. This 
sermon that Peter just did is bringing us to a point where we have to do something, that life is so much more than just this. It is about you and about how you're coming to redeem us. And so, God, I just pray that we could look into your word today and open up our hearts and tell you, God, our hearts are yours. We're willing to do whatever you're asking of us. And so, God, be with us this morning. May we respond to you well. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week I left off a um, little bit of, uh, I left you hanging a little bit with the idea of saying that we killed Jesus Christ. That last, uh, that it's not just them Jews or those people that did that back in Jesus' day. It was absolutely us. And I feel like I have to go back a little bit and talk about that before we move forward in the gospel. And it's this, is we need to start with a framework for us of what is sin. Because, you see, sin is what put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't us just going, yep, we've decided to nail him onto the cross. It is Jesus going, I have to be here, and you guys are going to help me with it. He's listening to Jesus because we need to be saved from something. If you've ever been up in the mountains like I was or walking around, you see this world, and you've got to ask the question, there has to be something more than this. And I think it starts with, the idea of what is sin. And so if you're taking notes with me right away, the very first thing that um, I want you to write down in that blank is this, is that we are sin. We have a sin nature that's been born with, into us for, I mean, ever since you came out of your mother's womb. You had the best tools in your toolbox to sin easily. Nobody had to teach you how to sin. Nobody had to tell you, well, this is, this is how you do it well. We just knew how to do it well. In fact, actually, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander and the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination, inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And so in order to kind of understand this idea that the new gospel is coming to us through Peter's new sermon, everybody in that audience was fully aware of their sin nature. They had just celebrated Passover 50 days ago and slaughtered a lamb, put its blood on the doorpost as a celebration that, hey, this was God passing by us, looking over our sin, and thank goodness for this lamb. And then 50 days later, they're offering stuff to God because only God can save them, and they're continuing this process of going, we're just trying to keep God's anger at bay with us. And it's not like anger of, oh, I'm going to smite you, you little smitey you know, smithereen, ants, I'm just going to step on you. No, it's this idea that we cannot be around God because God is so holy. 
And so everybody in this place is looking at it going, man, we understand our sin. We see it right there in front of us. We have to sacrifice constantly. I think it looks more like this to this day for us is not that we are sacrificing lambs all the time and doing things like that. It is this urge inside of us to know that something isn't right. That you look at the rest of the world all around us and we can go, why is there still hunger when we know that we know how to solve this? Or why is this happening? Or what about this? Or man, alive this keeps coming up over and over, and I cannot conquer it. It is this welling up inside of us that there is something missing. And we try our very best to solve it with all the things this world has to offer. A lot of us are really good at just ignoring it. A lot of us are really good at seeking it as much as we possibly can and diving in and saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, and never finding the answer because we don't want to be honest with ourselves. That maybe, maybe it's just us. That when we realize we are sin then it brings us to the point of going, we need a Savior. And so that's exactly what Peter just unfolded in front of us in terms of them going, what exactly is this that's going on? The Holy Spirit comes down, and they're sitting there just in awe of, man, we hear all these people saying all these things in our own languages. And then Peter unfolds them. And if you're taking notes still with me, we're going to fly through these. This is literally what Jesus, what Paul, what Paul, Jesus, Paul. Now we're going to go to Peter, okay? Uh, (laughs) It's what Peter is saying is this. You need to understand that Jesus is really who he said he was. Jesus said he was the Messiah, he was the Son of God, that he would be raised again and that he can forgive sins and that he has the power to give you eternal life. All those things that you've heard people going, this is crazy. Jesus says this. I can't be that way. We're going to kill you because you said it. And then Jesus, he's going, no, he's really what he said he was. He's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. He actually is Lord. So isn't that amazing? And so everybody's like, yep, absolutely. And then he said, but here's the deal. We killed him. We killed him. And really, he said, he pointed his finger and said, you killed him. But I just want to put we in there because he also walked away from Jesus. I just want to feel good about my sin by bringing him down. Um, We killed him. And then he goes on to say, then he goes on to say, but God raised him. God raised him. And the reason why God raised him is because he was the perfect sacrifice, that he had never sinned, that he took the punishment upon our punishment of our sin on himself, and he was buried in God, and death could not hold him because he was sinless. It's the only way possible that God can raise him because he was the perfect lamb, and because God raised him, we've seen and experienced him. We've seen and experienced him. 
In fact, actually, uh, later on in Acts, we find out that, uh, in, actually, not in Acts, but in Corinthians, we find out that Jesus shows up to over 500 people in the 40 days that he was walking along the earth between, the, between when he rose and when he ascended into heaven. They've experienced him. Jesus was teaching them, and they're saying everything he said is true, and we're going to back it up with Scripture like none other. Which is why I think that Peter continues to have, be a long-winded sermon after that. It says he keeps preaching with more words for a while to get people to see it. And so since Jesus is real, since we killed him, since God raised him and we've seen and experienced him, now say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. And we're going to get into that just a little bit more. And then live to glorify him. That is the New Testament gospel in a nutshell. And so these people listening to his sermon, they are just crushed at the heart. What do you mean? I've got to do something about this. What should we do? And you know, I thought this was interesting because we always tell people that you can do nothing to be saved. Like, God has done it all. But it's pretty clear that, he, that Paul doesn't respond to them and go, no, you don't have to do anything. Just sit back and relax and God's going to do it all. He says, no, you need to repent and be baptized. Which I find is funny is my story of not wanting to be baptized and, and all, of, all of that stuff in, in my own life. But I want to dive into what that actually looks like today. Because repentance really isn't just this idea, oh, is I'm sorry, God, please forgive me. It's not that simple. And when you write down, now say you're sorry, I think it's more of like a mom scolding somebody or a dad scolding somebody is by saying, stop hitting your brother and sister, now say you're sorry. Hug and make up, right? This is a total idea of completely doing a 180 and going the other direction. This is, not feel, this is not a feeling of feeling bad or, oh, I'm sorry I got caught or, oh, a slap on the wrist. This is you, under, you and I understanding the depths of how sinful we are. It is us understanding that we really are powerless to save ourselves. But it is our positioning of our, of our hearts to say, God, I, it is my sin that put you on the cross. It is all of these things that are going on inside of me that I just don't want to do behavior change. No, I want to no longer be controlled by them. And the only way I can do that is through your Holy Spirit. You see, repentance happens in the heart. Not by the words we say. You can say as many words as you want and it doesn't make it any more true unless your heart is behind it. And that's why I think baptism comes into play there. Because we can actually see what's going on in the heart when somebody wants to get baptized. I mean, it was quite the ritual back then with the Jews being in there. That's a really easy thing, man. If, if you wanted to uh, become 
uh, a Jew and, and start walking that way, it was very uh, common for them just to say, well, be baptized so that we know you actually really want to become this and so you can be a part of us. It's kind of this cleansing process. And so it's not, un, it's not weird for John the Baptist to be saying, repent and be baptized for one is coming that is going to show you how to, how to be. And then Jesus, when he comes, says, repent and, ba- be baptized. repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is here. And then Peter right away says, repent and be baptized because it's here. It's now. Jesus has already proven it for us. They seem to go hand in hand. You see, but that's not the salvation work of it. And I, and I want you to write this down on your, in your notes. It's this, is that salvation can only come through grace. It doesn't come because you repented and you got baptized. No, that is your acceptance of grace in your life. So salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. When we repent and are baptized, that is our stepping out in faith saying, we believe this is real. And it can only come through Jesus Christ, which I love when Peter says, he goes, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not be baptized in the name of Glasgow Evangelical Church, not be baptized in the name of a denomination, or baptized only in the name of Jesus Christ, because it's only through Christ alone. So salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so when they're sitting there saying, okay, then what should we do? The first thing is repent. Do we understand our separation from God? Because I think that mountaintop experience that I had with God was more, I feel really sorry for the sin that I have in my life. Until God is like, I, I don't think you get it. You sing songs like, here's my heart, Lord, but you, you, you really hold it at bay from me. And in that moment of going, I am repenting from my sins and I want to be baptized is that moment where I'm showing everybody this is what's going on in my heart. And so if you're still taking notes with me, repentance cannot be without baptism. Now I want to be very clear that this isn't something you hear from me that says, well, I can't repent without having baptized. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a point in time where baptism comes in in the moment of wanting and desiring repentance. It is a desire to take the next step and go, I want to be baptized. And the next thing is this, is that baptism cannot be without repentance. And what I mean by that is this. If you simply are baptized alone without repentance, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It just means that maybe you got a warm bath in church.
when we understand our powerlessness to save ourselves because we see the world around us and we know that something is wrong, we look first to ourselves in, in terms of this is our sin. And we know that Jesus has the ability to save this wicked generation is exactly what Paul says. Save yourselves for this generation that's right here. And it's not like it's this single generation. It's all the people who is, are just a sinful generation over and over again. It's not the one time. It's an always thing. And we're in a constant state of needing to repent, aren't we? Baptism is a one-time thing, I believe. Uh, if, man, it, it doesn't have to be a one-time thing, I guess. If you feel like, no, I need to do it again, I, man, we'll always dunk you, right? If it's the fifth time, I might hold you down a little bit longer to see if it takes. Um, no, but the, the whole point is this, is that I, I think we're in a constant state of going, God, there is something wrong in my heart, and I need to repent, and I need to turn away, and I want your spirit to lead me. There's not a single one of you in this room right now that doesn't need to repent of something. There's not a single one of us in this room that can't let the Holy Spirit come in and say, this is exactly where I'm wrong, and I need to change my desire for the desire of God. I want to follow his commands. This whole, this whole series that we're going through in Acts is the complete idea that it starts in Acts 1.8 where it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. It is the process of allowing God to work into our hearts so that we are those witnesses. It just so happens to be that I get to uh, share with you somebody who um, is able, was able to be in Glasgow and has decided, at, well, a long time ago, I want to repent, I want to be baptized, and I want to go to the furthest ends of the earth, whatever you want, God. And, and I want to share her story with you guys for probably about the next 15 minutes, and I'm just going to interview her. And uh, some of you already know her. It's a missionary that we support. Um, but when sitting down and talking with her, it was just amazing to see this idea of where repentance and baptize, baptism leads to being witnesses for, for the kingdom of God. And so, um, if you will, I'm going to invite Shirley Turner up, and she's going to share a whole bunch of stuff with us. And we're going to sit down, if that's all right with you. So, Shirley, one of the, one of the things I wanted to just um, ask you is, I know that you were born in Glasgow and raised in Glasgow, and... Um, and you kind of came to Awana at our church and all that sort of stuff. And eventually you came to um, a knowledge of going, no, I need to repent. Can you, can you just tell me that story about how you have seen God lead you to the point of, hey, repentance, baptism, I want to glorify God in my life. I came to church here as a child and um, I was constantly in 
uh, back and forth, God, I want to follow you, and then I would yell at my brother and sister, God, I want to follow you, and then I would do something in school and get in trouble, and then, like, so I was in that, like, that mode of repentance most of my childhood, and, um, and a lot of it came when I would come to church and real, and be able to hear God's word and realize, oh, this is not the way God wants me to walk and what he wants me to do, and, um, so if you ask me how many times did I ask Jesus into my heart, I would say 50 plus. <laughs> and, uh, and, but when I was 11, I, each time I think it was a, a journey of seeing more, wow, this is how God wants me to live, and seeing where my sin was, and hopefully each time saying, God, I want to turn away from that, and I want to follow you. And, um, and then when I was 11, I did ask the leaders of the church if I could please be baptized because I really wanted to say, look, I want to follow God for the rest of my life. And um, so that's when I got baptized when I was 11. So in Fort you, Peck Lake. In Fort Peck Lake? Yeah, Pastor Jay. Nice. Cool. <laughs> was it cold? Uh, no, it was July. It, okay. was, it was pretty good. Awesome. Because yeah. we're going to do one in May <laughs> out at Fort Peck. I'm just joking. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, and so now you, um, just a, a little bit of kind of catching people up. So you've grown up through church. Uh, you uh, kind of felt like, hey, this is where God has me to go be a teacher. And then all of a sudden you start being uh, a teacher. And then you're like, ah, that's not where God wants me to be. And so uh, now God's calling me to be a missionary, and so now you're a missionary in Zambia, mm -hmm. and uh, you are teaching teachers how to teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually, the first thought of me becoming a missionary happened in a backyard Bible club at Helen Schmidt's house, um, where they were telling missionary stories. And so please, as parents, and all you, how many kids are here? They should all be here yet. Yeah, raise are that hand kids high. Here? Where are the kids? You're not listening. Where are the kids? There you are. Oh, oh, there they are. Okay. <laughs> when, when, I was, I, when I was really little, I think it was like 9, 10, or 11, I was hearing stories about missionaries, and that's when I first felt like God said, I want you to be a missionary. So I grew up, and that's, so I gave my life to Jesus and said, okay, God, how do you want me to be a missionary? And I went to Bible school thinking that after Bible school, I'd be a missionary. So this is where God's plans sometimes look different than our plans. Um, and at the end of Bible school, I didn't know, I didn't have any opportunities to be in the mission field. So then I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Then um, I went to school to become a teacher. And then it was when those, my Bible school and my teacher training finished, I taught for one year, and then God brought in um, a connection with Operation Mobilization and allowed me to, um, to look into the possibility of teaching as a missionary, and Zambia was the place that was, that, that was put on my heart when I was going through that process. Yeah. Cool, and so do you have a video to share of OM at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my role right now is um, training teachers, and I know it's difficult to kind of picture it in your mind if you haven't been there, so if he goes to the next slide, then this will just give you a slight picture of some of the kids, the schools, the um, places that we go, and where I've been. All the pictures and all the videos is taken by me, so it's from my perspective, or pictures out taken of me. Um, 
and we're serve, I'm serving in Zambia, Tanzania, and Malawi in about 12 different schools, so you can see a little bit of what that's like. Based in Zambia, we have influence in three different countries, Zambia, Tanzania, and Malawi. We want to see trained teachers equipped to be a part of establishing vibrant communities of Jesus followers amongst the least reached. We are a team of eight people, four teacher trainers, and four interns learning skills to be teacher trainers. We train our teachers to improve their teaching strategies, especially in the area of increasing student participation in the classroom. We want to see students think deeply, identify truth, and discern deception so that they can be equipped in their education to be all that God has called them to be. We also train our teachers to integrate Bible truths with every academic subject they teach. We have consistently provided trainings for teachers in Malawi and Zambia over the years. We're very excited to be able to go into Tanzania and partner with four different villages and provide training for teachers there to see lives transformed amongst least reached people groups in those areas. Thank you for your partnership in the ministry. It's making a huge difference in the lives of teachers and children in Southern Africa. That just kind of gives you a picture of some of the places that all your support and your prayers are being focused into. So. Yeah, and so like her sphere of influence, um, like in all those three countries in Tanzania and Zimbabwe and uh, Malawi, and Malawi um, man, that, I mean, if you think about it, uh, like that's the size of Texas. And so even bigger than that, um, just kind of traveling through all those things. And so um, she's got quite the reach and, and it's, it is absolutely impressive. And, and I, and I want to kind of go back a little bit. We, we kind of got um, uh, a little bit forward on that, but I, I kind of wanted to show the end result of somebody who is uh, desiring to, um, to follow God and to uh, respond to uh, respond to the gospel, really. And so what we're going to kind of do is just, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about how, um, how have you experienced the Holy Spirit's guidance into missions in your life? Yeah, well, um, I basically, like I said, when I was young, felt like the Lord called me there. And then basically each step felt like, okay, now I go to Bible school and then I go get my education as a teacher. And a lot of it happened through connections um, from my Bible school where um, a pastor invited me on a short-term mission trip. So how many of you guys have been on a short-term mission trip? Oh, that's lovely. You might be future missionaries. <laughs> uh, that was part of how the Lord softened up my heart was that I, uh, and I went on a mission trip actually right out of Glasgow when I was in high school as well, just after high school, and um, into Madagascar. And so going on short-term trips really stirred up my heart for wanting to go long-term and seeing how God could use my skills and abilities. And he basically set a path of, this is what I want to build into you, Shirley, as a teacher, and then gave me opportunity to serve um, in a way with the skills that he has given me through my education and my experience. 
So um, tell me a little bit about your current sphere of influence. What is what has God asked you to be a witness around and, and do in, in what your job is? Okay. Currently, I'm a team leader. Um, so I lead a team of four teacher trainers. And there's a prayer card. I didn't bring it up. There's a prayer card there if you want to pray for our team. They've got pictures of all eight of us, four teacher trainers, and then four people that are from um, Africa, three from Zambia and one from Tanzania. You met Taiwan a couple years ago. She's now an intern with us, and three others are interning with us to become trainers so that whatever the Lord calls us to do, then there are people living there locally that can also train and um, get the gospel into the schools. Um, and then, yeah, so I lead that team, and I also provide training workshops for teachers in the three different countries, and our whole team is able to influence about 12 schools uh, to, and uh, between 50 and 60 teachers we come into contact with each year and do workshops and come alongside in the classroom and help them with their lesson plans and help them. The most important thing that we do is showing them how to bring Bible truths into their day-to-day -day lessons, um, like, uh, we talk about the character of God when we're teaching math. So if, um, if I say, what's two plus two, anybody? Four. Four. Four, good. Some of you have gone to school, good. Okay. <laughs> um, and it, what was two plus two yesterday? Okay, what will it be tomorrow? What about in five years? Are you sure? Yeah. So God designed math in such a way that that addition is constant. Every time you add two plus two, it's the same answer, right? And he designed it that way because he wanted to show us part of his character and part of his nature because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there are many things that he designed to show us who he was. And so our heart is to get those teachers to see who he is, where he is, and what they're teaching, and reveal that to the kids so that they can come to know his character and his nature. Yeah. And I know that as we were sitting in uh, our, my office this week and we were, we were talking about how your, your heart isn't, isn't just to teach school, but also to show kids what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. And so do you, do you have a story of how you've seen the Holy Spirit transform uh, kids that you're working with lives? Yeah. So if you go to the next side, there's a picture of a little boy named Gift. And I met Gift. It, no, his, his name is really Gift? Yes. Awesome. Cool. In Bemba, it's Mapalo. Oh, but so. it translates in English to Gift. That's cool. That's also my Bemba name because, you know. <laughs> so, but Gift is his name. And uh, when I first met Gift, I was in a, a second grade classroom. And I was observing the teacher and giving her some pointers. And all of a sudden, this kid jumps up. Teacher, I don't want to do da 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 da. And I was like, uh, what's happening with him? And she's like, his mom. And I was like, oh my. <laughs> um, what are we going to do about this? So we started working with the teachers and praying with them and, and asking them to show gift, love, and kindness, and gave them some strategies. And um, he would run to the class, he would run to the back of the room like hit a kid and then run back to his desk, just in the middle of class, just jump up, do that. And we're just like, what are we gonna do with him? Um, so as the teachers worked with him, as they prayed with him, as they helped him, he would also come to school and he wouldn't have any food. And so the teachers would bring snacks to give him some snacks. And um, then I was 
um, in, the, in the classroom with him, with teacher Einity, and one day he got up and he was like, teacher, can I help with this? And I was like, oh, that's not the same gift. And uh, so over about a year and a half, his behavior changed and he started wanting to pray and talk with Jesus. And um, just before I came here, I was talking with the teachers and she, and she told me that his mom came to school saying, what did you do to my child? And, and they were like, uh-oh, what did we do? And, and she said, um, her, his mom actually has epilepsy and that's why people think she's crazy because they don't understand things like that. So she would like go into fits and she also was a, she was a drunkard and just promiscuous in the community and things. And so um, she came and said, when I was sick, which basically when she was having an epileptic seizure, um, she woke up to gift standing over her and praying for her and asking God to heal her. And then when she got up, she, he, and he saw she was okay, you know, he gave her a hug and he started helping around the house. He started building a fire to help cook the food and then he even washed the dishes. And she was just like, something is, so, she, she was so shocked by it. She gave him 20 kwacha, which is $2. She's like, my kid has never acted like this before. And so, um, and, and 20 kwacha actually will pay for three months of school for them. So it's a big deal. She was so touched by it. And uh, so that's when she came to the school and said, what is going on in Gift's life? Because this is a different kid than I had, you know, the last couple years. So that has also opened the door for us to um, influence the parents. When the kids' lives change, when the kids start praying at school or praying at home for their meals, when the kids start talking about Jesus, then parents come and start asking questions. So, um, so it kind of ripples out into the community. So, sorry, I got a little excited. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> With Gift in it. <laughs> yeah. um, Tell me how you've seen the hearts of teachers change towards, uh, towards their students because, I mean, you're talking about because this, is, this can only happen because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, well, I've seen teachers, um, in the beginning, oftentimes in the communities, the teachers look at the kids and they go, oh, they are such a mess. Like, and what are we going to do with them? They're running around, they're hitting each other. And um, there is one teacher who has actually started, just in the last three months, started an after-school girls club. Because in December, I went and asked them, what is happening with the kids for New Year's? And I, no, nothing. The parents will be drinking and, the, and they'll just be walking around the community. And so I asked the if we could have like a little New Year's party. So I brought a movie for them to watch and we made some popcorn and had some snacks and did a Bible story. And, um, and as a result of that, one of the teachers thought, I would like to do this with the kids more often. So now in the Makwati school, there is a teacher who is every Saturday morning meeting with the kids and seeing how much the kid, like valuing the girls, the, it's a young girls group and just sharing with them how much um, Jesus loves them and also teaching them skills. Like you'll see in the back there some things that the teachers have made. Well, now the teachers are teaching the kids how to make some of these things so that, that they see that, there's, that they have skills, they have worth, they have value. And um, it's been amazing to see the mindset shift from teachers thinking these kids are our problem to 
these kids are loved and valued by God and being able to invest in the kids' lives, which has been a big thing for me. Cool. Uh, tell me how you've seen the church, you know, we, I, I find it interesting that we talk about from here, you know, uh, going and witnessing to, to the outer ends of the earth. And so how have you seen uh, the churches from the outer ends of the earth from where you live go and, and be a part of your world? Yeah, well, I could tell you many stories of how the church has gotten involved in many different schools, but there's one particular this year that's been a, a tremendous, like, wow, I can't believe this actually happened. Um, there's a school that's about a four-hour drive from where I live, and one hour is on a very dirt, windy road. And they have been, um, they started out with just one lady going out into the bush and asking kids if they wanted to learn something, because the kids were too, they were, the closest school was eight kilometers away, which is about five miles and they couldn't, the little kids couldn't walk that far to, to go and learn anything. So she went around and asked kids, and they came, and then we started training her and coming alongside of her, and, uh, and then the community said, well, we want a school in this area. So the community came together and made red dirt bricks, and then the team there started praying for God to send the money in for um, like the tin sheet, the, the roof sheets, and the wooden tresses and the doors and the school supplies and all that kind of stuff. And um, actually last year, this church was a big part of that. Um, Awana raised money and a big chunk of what they raised went towards this school in Makushi. And just this January, I was able to, to go there and it was the first day of the school. And I just wanna show you a little video of the kids getting to go in the school the first day and, um, and what those two classrooms look like. And uh, so I, there were churches, you guys, a church in Germany, and the community in Zambia, the community members and churches around there kind of all came together to make this school a possibility. So it's been a big blessing. So, so far this year, Awana, uh, those kids have raised $774 this year. Wow. We're hoping to raise more, but uh, that's kind of, so for every verse the kids memorize, they, they get so many points. And so those points have added up to that much um, for, for uh, specifically different schools and different things like that. The, I have two questions left, and then we're going to get to worship and all that sort of stuff. But hey, what do you praise God for? Wow, the list is very long. Um, I really, really praise God for just the community here and the partnership that you guys have had um, with me over the years from when I was very little and, and then especially over these last six years. Um, so much has happened because of your prayers, um, because of your uh, financial support, because of your encouragement. Um, we've, like that school there, for six months, some of the money that you sent fed those kids in the school for six months. So that's, I mean, they're just big things that are happening and lives are being touched. Um, I praise God for the opportunity to go into Tanzania, this kind of a new door that's opening for us. And um, some, the, some of the gifts that the kids raised this year will start helping in schools in Tanzania that we've only had a little bit of a touch in and now we're gonna be able to go in a bit more frequently and um, yeah, I just thank God for his favor in the different communities. There's been at least two communities where the head man has given his life to Christ um, and allowed the, the community to now accept the, the gospel of Jesus 
um, with his approval. And that's a huge thing in Africa to have the leadership in a community say, it's okay for you to listen to the people that are coming here and teaching in your schools. So I thank God for that. And um, yeah, I, it's, the list can go on and, I'm, and I'll be back there and you can ask me more questions if you want to hear more stories. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, the last thing I have for you is uh, how, how can we, if we're supposed to be witnesses to, to the outer ends of the earth, and I would say Africa is definitely the outer <laughs> ends of the earth for some of us, but uh, how can we continue to partner with you? Because w though we're not there, we're, we're still witnesses. And so uh, how, do, how do we uh, partner with you? Well, first, I just want to um, highlight that verse uh, that the kids were saying in, in, in uh, Makushi. It said, come, Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that was the verse that God put on my heart when I first stepped out to go to Africa. And the idea was not, Jesus didn't say, come follow me to Africa. Or he didn't say, come go to Africa. He said, come follow me. And so my first priority and our first priority is where is, like, come and follow what Jesus has for your life and keep being a part of mm. what he's doing here in the community, what he's doing in Awana, what he's doing in Sunday school, what he's doing in Bible study groups with you guys. Um, just keep that in your heart. Come follow me and he will make you whatever type of fisher of men he wants you to be. And um, you guys have partnered in so many ways and other ways to continue partnership is I, you can get my newsletter. I have a little sign up in the back there if you want to hear more about what God is doing on a regular basis. Um, there's also some teacher-made items that uh, if you would want to purchase them, that would go towards, um, that would go right back to the teacher who made the items to help them with their monthly budget of food and because they don't get paid. So um, our Zambian missionary teachers, well, they get paid a very little. So they've, we've taught them some skills to do things to supplement their income. And, um, and then also there's just some prayer points those of you who remember Taiwan, she um, is getting married in June, and so we can pray for her um, wedding and God to lead her and her fiancé, Francis. And then the whole um, new ministry that's opening in Tanzania is a big thing, um, and they don't speak English much in Tanzania, so I need to learn Swahili. <laughs> so um, you can pray for that too. So thank you very much. So pray for the gift of tongues. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> very specific tongue, Swahili. <laughs> there you go. Sweet. Well, uh, I thank you so much. Um, and uh, I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come up, and uh, we're, we're going to sing um, our closing song together. Um, but here's what I'm going to ask of you guys. Uh, please come and talk to uh, Shirley. I, I'm telling you, I, I wish that I, we, we could sit here for two hours because the story she has of watching people turn their lives around because, because not because they realize God's just a good thing, but they realize the depths of their need for uh, for Christ and their need to go, we, we are wrong. You know, I, I find it interesting that most of the teachers, they, they look at the sin in the kids' lives and they go, we know we want to fix that. And it's only through Jesus Christ that that happens and true repentance happens and um, our desire to follow him. And so uh, just uh, thank you so much for all of your stories. But would you please go talk to her and, and please um, see how that has impacted her ministry? Because I know that I can look at 
ministries way away, but I know that God is calling each and every one of us to be a witness exactly where we're at. And so she is a huge encouragement to go, no, continue to uh, keep, keep going for, for Christ wherever you're planted. And so can I just pray? And then we'll worship our last song. Hey, Lord, I just I thank you so much for Shirley. I thank you that uh, every time uh, she's here, she is an absolute encouragement. Um, Lord, that we see her desire to glorify you and we see her, I mean, every time she comes back to, I gave my life to Jesus at, in, in this town and this is where I'm, where I'm anchored because I see the transforming, but God has called me to go. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that, um, Lord, you, that your gift of the Holy Spirit would be all over her life that she would be led, that she would be empowered, and that she would continue to find her strength, her worth, her comfort uh, in you and her shelter in you. And so God, uh, continue to walk with her. And as we sing this last song, Lord, I, I just pray that you would do work in our own hearts, that Lord, wherever we are far off from you, that God, we would choose to repent and turn and walk with you and be guided and directed by your Holy Spirit. In your holy name we pray. Amen. If you've never been baptized, um, on May, uh, May 6th, it is, May 5th or 6th, um, we will be doing a baptism here again. Um, you, need to, you need to understand something. I said, oh, we'll baptize you. Once is enough. Like it's, and, and it isn't even a salvation thing. It is, it is your way of saying, I want to take this thing seriously. I, I want to walk with God. I want the world to know. That, that, I'm, that I am following Jesus. And so I don't want you to get confused. I don't want you to think that we have some sort of weird belief system. We believe in baptizing 20 times. No, want, oh man, um, follow Jesus. Listen to him guiding and directing you and desire to, to go, no, man, I am going to, I, I am going to run with him. And I'm going to follow him and he's going to make me in what he wants me to be. So I just, I just want to make that absolutely clear. And so, and I also want to say one last thing. I love you. You're all beautiful. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.